Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Thanks, worship team. That was fantastic tonight. How beautiful. Well, welcome everyone. We are continuing with um, going through the Sermon on the Mount, the longest recorded sermon that Jesus gave, teaching that Jesus gave. And tonight we've got four verses. Last week I think we had about 24 verses. It was very long and very meaty. And it finished off with this. It it showed a whole lot of the human condition. Um, Bev gave a great message about this last week. And all the struggles we go through with the human condition. And it concluded with this solution. Be perfect. This is Jesus saying it. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. At which point you may think, oh my goodness, I've tried really hard to be perfect. Has anyone tried that? And how did it go? Did anyone fail? Well, I've failed. Has anyone else failed? couple, Usher and I have failed, right? Yes, and everyone else is still working out that you can't do it, okay? You can't be perfect. But the, re- the word perfect means complete. So what he's saying is not try harder. He's saying be complete in him because the human condition pushes us to try to fill our needs through situations and people all around us to feel complete and he's saying it's a reverse. Jesus has come to bring the reverse. Completion happens within us first and then we live from the overflow. And the human condition, which causes all the problems in the world, is empty, depleted people looking for something to fill them. And it can be good things, but we run out. But when you spin it around and you're full from the inside, you live from being complete. You live from being complete rather than to be complete. And that's the difference. So that was the end of last week. And, we were, and I was, well, when I was speaking this in the morning, this is, this is how God completes us. Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. And one thing that we need to remember in all of this is that a follower of Jesus You bring it down to this. It's someone who is filled and led by the Spirit of God. You can read it in Romans 8. It says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God. So you can actually say you believe in Jesus, but not be led by the Spirit of God. And he's poured his love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. And we have the the privilege of being led by the Spirit of God. So let me just read the passage for tonight. Sorry, Ian. Ian's having a hard time tonight. Ian does the words every week and I just realised I messed everything up and I think Ben messed everything up tonight as well. So um, thanks for your... (laughs) Thank you, Ian. Going back to the first slide. (laughs) Matthew 6, 1-4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, What we tend to do as human beings is we read the scriptures and we tend to make new rules for ourselves because we're always looking for the secret plan. Now, Jesus said, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. And in this, this sums up all the law and the prophets. He's brought all, all the laws and all the commands into these two commandments, to love him and to love people. Another In John he says to love others as he loves us. Everything is summed up in that. And yet we keep coming and trying to add new rules on. And so I believe the rule that we make out of this one is this. You have to give, you have to give to the poor and you're not allowed to tell anyone that you did it. Has anyone ever heard of that rule? Kind of subtly heard of it. And so and that's the rule we make from this. And I would say there's no rule in this. Jesus is giving something far more profound than a little rule. And so then if you give, if you give something and you just had so much fun giving it, you'd just like to share it with one person. You feel like you can't because you read this passage once and then you will feel like a hypocrite because you told someone that you gave. And I believe Jesus is doing something amazing in this passage, which is far more than just a new little rule for us to follow. He's actually bringing in this amazing world-changing principle that he's inviting all of us to partake in if we'd like to, that will actually has the potential one person at a time of changing the world. So I just read you this passage from Romans 5.5. It goes on in Romans 5.6 to say this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what you see here, you, look, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a bit, you may have heard that and you can think, yep, I know that. I would like to say we really don't know this yet. This is There's a generosity principle in here that is transforming, which most of us are recipients of. And if you haven't received this generosity yet, I invite you to receive this tonight, this amazing generosity principle that changes everything. So you have Jesus who comes for people who aren't even yet looking for him, who comes for people, some who despise him, who've rejected him, some who are rebelling against him, some who think he hates them. And all of us, basically, all of us, the people who are trying to live lives by themselves, who have messed up their lives, who've made lots of mistakes, who've ruined other people's lives, all of us. All of us. And he comes, God comes in the flesh and he dies for each one of us and pursues us with his love so that we could be brought back into right relationship with him and with, with one another. It's something that is so profound that this is a generosity principle in this that a follower of Jesus will naturally demonstrate when we're filled with the Spirit of God, because this is the love of God. It's incredible generosity that you would forget yourself and give yourself totally for someone else. Now, you all understand it a little bit. Each one of us, because we're all created in the image of God, each one of us does understand this to a certain extent, because we go out of our way for people we love. So I have this little grandson, Silas, who was sitting over there before, and I play football with him. I have to learn to change from NRL to AFL. And... Uh, I'm told all the time I'm not really that good by him. And uh, I used to be able to chase him and tackle him, but he's getting very, very fast now. But if he wants to keep playing, do you know what I'll do? I'll just keep playing. In fact, on Anzac Day this year, we were in Sydney and uh, Graham and I were taking him down Pitt Street to Sydney Harbour to Circular Quay and he wanted to pass the ball all the way down and all the way up and we played football for 45 minutes down in front of the Museum of Contemporary Art and we and you just do that because um, 
you love them. Last week, I went to um, my, one of my sons is making a short film in Western Sydney. And I said to him, I'll do anything that you want. And he rang me, not last Thursday, the one before. And he said, you know how you said you do anything you, I want? And I said, yes. He said, could you cater? So for 25 to 30 people, I said, I would love to do that. So I took a week a week's long service leave and I set up a plastic fold-out table in a paddock outside Casula in Western Sydney and had to have breakfast for everyone by 6.30 in the morning. And I'm not a morning person. That's why Mark said, wow, <laughs> he gets how sacrificial that is. And uh, with one PowerPoint. And uh, why did I do that? Because I love him. So you all understand a little bit of that because you all have someone that you will go all out for because you love them because you want to give value to them. But would you, like, if I'm just walking down the street and some little boy came up and said, would you play football with me for the next two hours? I probably wouldn't. And if any of someone else just came up and said, would you cook breakfast in a paddock in Western Sydney? <laughs> I would say, I'm really busy. Okay. But when it's someone that you love, you go all out. And that's because you do have the heart of God. You are created in the image of God. You have that heart of God. But God takes it much further than that. He wants to expand you from just being someone who goes all out for those that you love to being someone that expands to go all out for anyone. And so now let's get to the passage. It says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Now this word righteousness means right relationships with God and all people, including those in need. It's about right relationships. And a definition of this righteousness is the state of him who is as he ought to be. So we kind of have this idea in our minds of what we ought to be like and we all know it because we're all aspiring to it. And if you read Romans 7, it talks about this problem that we have as human beings where it says what I want to do I don't do and what I do do is what I don't want to do. And we're wrestling with that all the time. But all the time we have this understanding of what a human being should be like. And we talk about other people like they should be like this. And deep in our hearts we know that this is what we should be like. And Jesus is saying... Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. In other words, sometimes we do these things in front of others because we want people to think that we're great. And Jesus goes on to say that um, if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So he doesn't say that there's anything wrong with having a reward. He's just saying that you're going to get your reward and your reward will be people will think you're great. And uh, the, this word reward means regard or heed. In other words, the reward that you're looking for is to be valued. And that's not a bad thing in itself. Everyone wants to be valued. That's why Jesus gave his life for you because he values you. The problem is we do things. He's coming to say you're doing these things to try and get value for yourself. But I've got a bigger picture. You could be really kind and you could act really nicely. And when you die, you'll have a really nice eulogy and you will have got your reward. But there is a greater reward. And the reward is not just what, in you, in what you give. It's something far deeper than that, the reward that comes with the Heavenly Father. And there's this article in the, in the Harvard, Harvard Business Review that says this. Think for a moment of the last time you felt triggered, pushed into negative emotions by someone or something. Here, for example, are several of my triggers. Feeling taken advantage of, not getting a response to an email I've sent to someone and not being acknowledged for good work I've done. Does anyone relate to any of those triggers? Does anyone have any others as well? There's lots of triggers. It can be someone driving inconsiderately on the road. Um, it can be 
so, so many things. You can think of your triggers. And um, as you think of them, they'll start to trigger you again, as you remember what they did. We move into negative emotions when we feel a sense of threat or danger. But what is the threat exactly? Over the past decade, my colleagues and I have asked thousands of our clients to describe something that consistently triggers them and then explain why. Remarkably, we've found that a trigger can almost always be traced to the same root cause, the feeling of being devalued or diminished by someone else's words or behaviour. Consider my triggers above. And if you take a moment and consider your triggers, you'll probably find that in some way you had a feeling of being diminished or devalued by someone else's words or behaviour. How we're feeling, and most especially whether or not we feel acknowledged and appreciated, influences our behaviour, consumes our energy and affects our decisions all day long, whether we're aware of it or not. You know how you start off a day and something happens that triggers you? And sometimes you can carry that into the day and other people pay. Our core emotional need is to feel valued. Without a stable sense of value, we don't know who we are and we don't feel safe in the world. Across more than 200 studies of the effects of stress, researchers have found that the highest rises in cortisol levels, meaning the most pernicious fight or flight response, are prompted by threats to one's social acceptance, esteem and status. To feel valued and valuable is almost as compelling a need as food. The more our values feel at risk, the more preoccupied we become with defending, defending and restoring it and the less value we're capable of creating in the world. Just let me read that last paragraph again. To feel valued and valuable is almost as compelling a need as food. The more our value feels at risk, the more preoccupied we become with defending and restoring it and the less value we're capable of creating in the world. When you've got a nagging need such as hunger or sleep or thirst and you, it starts to take over your mind and you can't do the other things that you would love to do. And what this article is saying, which I believe Jesus has come to change in us, is saying that when you don't feel valued, your, your effectiveness in the world, your ability to be the person you're created to be is actually diminished because you're so intent on restoring your own value and your own dignity and your own worth. And he comes to spin everything around and say, as I was saying before, if you could be complete from the inside first and you have this sense of value, then you live from the overflow. But when you're not complete first and you're feeling diminished on the inside, you will become obsessed, even though you won't look obsessed to others, with restoring your own value and dignity. And that is something that every person on the planet lives with every single day. And you have this opportunity to be filled with this Holy, the Holy Spirit who gave himself for you so that you could be complete on the inside. You know, at the moment, you hear a lot about fuel prices going up, prices of living going up, interest rates going up. And over the last two years, we've had situations like lockdowns, isolation, and it's made everyone more inward focused, afraid to be with people. Have you been in a supermarket in the last two years and accidentally sneezed and see people almost run away from you in terror? That's happened to me. It's like they think they're going to die. And, and that makes people very protective. And then we have now fear of not enough money. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25 says this, One person gives freely, it gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. 
Jesus came into the world and pursued us and we didn't even care about him so that we could be refreshed, that we could come alive. It says um, when the Apostle Peter was preaching his first message, the day the Holy Spirit came and the church was birthed, he says, repent and turn to the Lord and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and times of refreshing will come. You'll be refreshed and you can have this refreshing every single day. And at the moment there's this tension because there's fear of lack and that would make people be less generous where we are actually called to be people who are generous. And when we do that, we, we grow in riches and prosper, not necessarily financial riches, but you will just prosper in life. So back to the passage, Matthew 5, 2, Jesus says, so when you give to the needy. He doesn't say if you choose to give to the needy or you have to give to the needy. He just presumes that human beings who love God will give to the needy. That is a practice that we have, that we make all the time. The, the original version says uses the word arms and the word arms, A-L-M-S, not A-R-M-S, not when you give your arms but when you give your arms with an L in it, the word actually means compassion or mercy. And so originally giving arms to the poor was not just about giving money, it's about giving anything that anyone in need actually needs. You can be giving money. You can be giving time, you could be giving food, you could be cooking or cleaning or driving, but you're giving with compassion and with mercy. In the Hebrew text, it means justice or righteousness, restoring people to dignity and to right relationships. It's looking at all the people on the planet and realising that everyone needs to be valued and you and I have something that we can give to people that will value them. We can lift them up again. And because we respond to the generosity of God towards us, the more we appreciate the generosity of God towards us, the easier it will be to be generous towards others. The less we appreciate his love towards us, the harder it will be and the more fearful we will become and the more we'll hang on to what we have. But when we experience his generosity of giving everything to restore us, we will love to give to see others restored. So the women who went to the afternoon tea for the Ukrainian refugees, yesterday gave and then this morning when that story was um, they gave $3,330 yesterday but it, by the eight, end of the 8.30 service it had grown to over five and a half approaching $6,000 and so it may have grown even more since the 10.30 and then it may even grow tonight after this one because of the generosity of people who see people who have lost hope and we realise that with our generosity we have the ability to restore hope. The Hebrew word for justice or righteousness means helping them to establish in right order. That's what we're called to do. In the English, the word English Bible, the translation is, therefore, when you do merciful deeds. And we have this opportunity to, get, to do merciful deeds for others that restore them, that bring them up. And it's because you're filled with the generous love of God that you love to pour it on other people. And as you pour it on other people, you don't have to say why, but one day someone might say to you, why are you so generous? And then you can be ready to share the hope that is within you. And the delightful thing for you is just to see people restored. And then it goes on to say, and do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue or in the streets to be honoured by others. And this word hypocrite actually means an actor. So don't do it to pretend you are something that you are not or so that people will think you're great. You are doing it because it flows out from within you. It goes on to say this, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
So what does this mean, giving in secret? You see, this is the one I think we've translated into a law. It's like, oh, okay, in secret, I can't tell anyone that I've done it. And you can have a lot of fun giving in secret um, and just seeing someone blessed and they don't know who it's from. I remember when our kids were little, we had some friends who were going through a struggling time and we bought them some things and we wanted to give it in secret. We put it on their front doorstep and all jumped in the car and drove away as quickly as we could. And it was so much fun giving in secret. We actually didn't really want them to know who it was, but they rang us the next day and they said, um, we saw your car driving away, so we know it was you. And um, kind of spoiled the fun. But I don't think this is what it's talking about when it talks about the secret. Because um, in the, both in the, uh, in the New and the Old Testaments, the term the secret place is the area where our soul is in relationship with God. There's this beautiful secret place that you have within you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit where you have this deep relationship with him and he talks to you and he loves you and he encourages you and he comforts you and he blesses you and he speaks to you at any time, day or night. It's a secret place that no one else can see. And when you're filled with the Spirit of God, this secret place can grow if you spend time with him, if you carve out a bit of time in your life where you can just learn to listen to him. It's a beautiful secret place. And when you spend a lot of time with someone, you learn more about them. And when you learn more about them and you think they're amazing, you start to become like them. And particularly if the secret place for you is the Holy Spirit filling your heart and you are loved, you allow God to love you, you start to become like him. You start to reflect him in the things that you do and the things that you say. And so the things that come out of this secret place are where you are rewarded because you enjoy this journey with him. There's a, a friend in our church who was, who, who was telling me once that she often hears the Holy Spirit speaking to her when she's hanging clothes on the clothesline. And one day she was hanging clothes on the clothesline and she felt God say, I want you to increase your giving to church. And, and she said to God, I just don't feel I can afford that. And he said, well, you can. So she opened up a computer. It wasn't She went inside and opened up her computer, not at the clothesline. And she tried to work out how to do it. And she thought, no, I just really believe the Holy Spirit in the secret place is telling me to do this. So she, she did it. Exactly what she felt the Holy Spirit telling her to do. And the next week, they got an amazing insurance payout, which they weren't expecting. And it covered so many of their costs for the year that she had this abundance. And she said she loves being at the clothesline to hear... God speaking to her in these secret places. Your secret place could be at the clothesline, it could be in the car, it could be so many different places where there's this beautiful relationship that happens internally. And that's something you can take with you everywhere you go. It's something that is so special that you can you invest. That, that's what I love about our children's ministry, that children can learn to know Jesus by his Holy Spirit in those secret places of their soul because when they go off into the day, into school and whatever they're doing, they have that beautiful relationship with them wherever they go. In Psalm 91 it says, "'Those who live in the shelter of the Most High "'will rest in the shadow of the Almighty.'" This I declare about the Lord. He is alone my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. So when you um, get rid of these rules and you just fill with the, the love and the power and the voice of the Holy Spirit in the secret place, in the depth of your soul, you go on this amazing journey with him when he says, hey, why don't we give this? And that by we, I mean you and him together. We could give this. We could change this. We could encourage this person. We could pray for this person. We could give generously to this person. 
you might think, I might give this much and the Holy Spirit might say, and I'd like you to give just that little bit more. And you start to become like him because he's not, God is not someone who just chooses to be generous from time to time. His nature is generosity. That's why he gave his life for you on the cross. It's the most generous act of all to give your life for someone. So he's not just chooses to be generous at times. His nature is generosity. And when you are filled with him, generosity uses out of you. In fact, that's why it says that that you don't the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing because it's just something that flows so naturally. Dallas Willard, Willard wrote this. The kind of people who have been so transformed by their daily walk with God that good deeds naturally flow from their character are precisely the kind of people whose left hand would not notice what their right hand is doing. As, for example, when driving one's own car or speaking one's native language. What they do, they do naturally, often automatically, simply because of what they are pervasively and internally. These are people who do not have to invest a lot of reflection in doing good for others. Their deeds are in secret, no matter who is watching, because they are absorbed in love of God and those around them. They hardly notice their own deed and rarely remember it. It starts to become natural. Like you don't spend the whole day and go home and say, guess what I did today? I spoke in English all day. You don't say that. Well, unless it's not your native language. You don't say, I drove the car today. You don't come home with the groceries for your family and say, guess what, everyone? I bought the groceries today and have everyone throw a party because you were so generous. Because you do do generous things for others. But God is saying when you're filled with his spirit, your generosity will overflow. You'll be filled from the inside and you will love to do whatever it is to bring compassion and mercy to other people. And other people in need are all around us. They may be Ukrainian refugees. They may be your neighbour. They may be your someone in your family. Generosity is something that reveals the love of God. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to give value to the needy. The um, Grain Recare Centre down on 252 Maitland Road is almost ready to open. And uh, we, we want that to be a beautiful place. Because we want people who are in need not to feel like they got the second-hand things that they got the very best. And that should be the aim for everyone, for the people who are living on the margins, the people who are struggling to make their ne- to get their needs met, to feed themselves. We don't want them to feel like they're second-rate people. We want everyone to feel as valuable as everyone else. And that only happens when we are generous people, when we look at things like that and say, I would love to give because I actually live pretty well and um, I could give a little bit more away so that someone else could have their dignity restored. There are people in our nation who have lost their dignity and we can just walk right past them and think they're used to that. But I don't think anyone likes to have their dignity taken away from them. But when we're generous, we restore people's dignity or their sense of value or their sense of security. So when we see refugees coming to our country, we should welcome them with open arms and say, what can we do to restore your sense of security and your sense of belonging? Sometimes I know Australians have the attitude, well, you should be glad because you got to come to this country. And they would say, we had a family in our church who were refugees from Syria and they said, we had a beautiful life in Syria. We've come to this country, we don't know the language, we can't get jobs, we're well educated in Syria, we can't get them here and we wish we were back in Syria. 
And so we need to think of everything that we can do to be generous to people so that they can feel loved, they can feel valued, they can feel secure, they know they have a future and a hope. And it's the, the Holy Spirit within us that will prompt us daily to know what to do. Now sometimes when you look at the need in our world, it can be overwhelming. And once I was in India in a taxi driving through Delhi and I was looking at the overwhelming need outside the window of the taxi. And I'd just been in a children's home and there was a lot of need there but it was kind of contained in the walls of the children's home. So you could dream about what you could do and you think, well, they need new mattresses so I know a way that we could raise money for the mattresses or we'd put on a um, lunch for elderly people and buy them new clothes and we could work out how to raise the money for that. So it was kind of contained in the walls of that compound. But when I was in Delhi and I looked out the window, I had this feeling of overwhelm, like, what do we do? And, and I said to the Lord, there's just so much need and I just don't know what you want me to do. And I felt the Holy Spirit in the secret place say, I just want you to give to the, pers- the people I put in front of you. And if every one of us was just aware of who God has put in front of us and that we could be generous towards those people, then we would bring this generosity principle into the world and it would actually change the world. Sometimes people feel so overwhelmed that um, they don't give at all. But if you just listen to the Holy Spirit in the secret place and give what he's calling you to do, you get to partner with God in his generosity and you get to enjoy partnering with God in his generosity. And you just have to deal with the things and the people that he puts in front of you. And he will prompt you and just go and do it and enjoy doing it. We're called to give value to the needy. This is not an optional extra. You know, sometimes even in churches we can think giving to the mission program or something is the optional extra. This is the core business that we're involved in, is generosity. And generosity even in our regular giving is the core business as we build up all the areas of our church where we're giving value to people in so, so many ways. This is what it means to be fully human and loving with the love of Christ. We're people who give value and known by our love. And that is our theme for this year, that we would be known by our love, not by anything else, because Jesus said they'll know your disciples, that they'll know you're my disciples by their love. That is the hallmark. I had a conversation with someone once who was um, criticising Christians and saying that in his business he's met a lot of Christians and they, uh, they cheat and they don't always tell the truth. And I said, maybe they're not Christians. He said, what, what do you mean? I said, well, maybe they're not Christians. He goes, they go to church. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're a follower of Jesus if you go to church. Because there's a verse that says, by their fruits you will know them. By what comes out of their life is what you know. If someone's truly a follower of Jesus, what it means is that every day they're listening to the Spirit of God in the secret places. And something beautiful, something kind, something generous, something powerful, something merciful, something compassionate will flow out of them. They are the ones who are following because to be a follower of Jesus means you have to listen and follow. And when we listen and follow, we are generous. It flows out of us and it doesn't seem to be a massive thing. It just seems to be something that naturally flows. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in each one of us. And as you do that from his love, you enjoy every moment of it. It doesn't hurt because you love to see others blessed because that is the heart of God towards you. And so tonight we're going to um, finish off by ta- having a time of communion. And as we take the t- uh, communion tonight, we are remembering incredible generosity. I'm in a small group at the Alpha course at the moment. There was someone in my group who's um, 
just exploring Jesus for the first time in her life and um, she's come from a background where she just actually doesn't know anything. And after the first week, she came back and she said to my group, which has some Christians and some people who are still seeking, she said, I went and researched Jesus this week and I discovered that when he died on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. And the Christians in the group said, yeah. And she said, and I wept. And I just wondered how long it is since um, you've wept with the grace of God that's been poured out for you? Or has it become just normal? And is it time as we take communion to remember that someone loved you so much that they gave their life for you? And whether you forget him and turn your back on him or respond to him, he still loves you in the same way. And so when you take that wafer, that wafer represents the body of Christ that was broken for you, whether you love him or not, he would give his life for you. And when you take the cup, it's the cup of the new covenant in his blood, which is a new agreement between you and God, which says even if you are not faithful to him, he is faithful to you. And so as you come and take it, I encourage you to go and sit down and reflect on that as you take those in the secret place, you and God. And if you'd like to, just put your hands out in front of you or do something and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh or maybe fill you for the very first time. And truly, all you have to do is ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I would say we all need to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit every single day of our lives. And that is the way that we will reflect his generosity into the world. So let's pray and let's come and take communion. Father, we thank you for your generosity towards us. I pray for each one of us, Lord, tonight, that you'll open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to see you more clearly, to get a greater picture of your love to forget ourselves and allow you to fill us up from the inside by your Holy Spirit. May we experience tonight how valued we are by you, how valuable we are to you, how loved we are by you, how generous you are towards us. And as Lord, as I, pray, I pray that as you fill us afresh with your Spirit tonight, or fill us for the first time with your Spirit tonight, that your love will overflow through us to others, that we would just simply love to bring your generosity into the world around us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.